This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's up, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games and practices, as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So how do you stay up to date on all of the excitement regarding the Tampa Bay Lightning as well as, well, the NHL? You download the Odyssey app, you search Pucks and Bolts, hit the auto download button so that you have all of these exciting episodes just sitting there waiting for you. You can also stream Pucks and Bolts on any of your favorite streaming platforms. So no excuse, guys. Share with friends family, other hockey fans, and of course, any Tampa Bay Lightning fans. I'm your host, Casey Hudson, joined by Be The Thunder co-host. I don't even know how to introduce you guys properly sometimes. Just the the magnitude that comes with you guys and the excitement in the Lightning community. But uh, some might call him Rob. Better yet, he's known as Shooter. What's going on? It's so nice to chat with you talking about the bolts catching up it's been years since i got to see you on your podcast but i got to hang out with a uh, stash and the other guys the other week yeah so i missed you 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 basically filled in for me um, i did so, so i'm wondering um, be the thunder for a long <laughs> long time the guys were like you can hop off whenever and i'm like okay one hour mark comes by we're still hanging out talking and then they end up wrapping up the show like an hour 30 and they're like you could have hopped off and i was like we're having fun we're talking hockey you know we talk a lot on the show we had <laughs> lightning insider eric erlinson on a couple weeks ago and and it was probably oh. one of our best shows um but we went for almost two hours and it's crazy because we do it once a week during the season and it's just like there's never a shortage of things to talk about and then you no. know we, we do our little gimmicks too like you've been on you've been on <laughs> for a really good episode before because we do every game after uh, the playoffs we do post game mm-hmm. shows playoffs and when we um basically punch our ticket to the next round and win the series we do a toast to the team you remember yes. this you were on for the I toast do. Those are the <laughs> i best did get shows. to crack something open with you guys i think i drank wine it was lame but you it did. was all i had in my house yeah but you I had some wine and i listened that. i listened to the episode that you were on very well done uh you filled in uh you know probably way better uh than me on the show but it was nice to have like a break and i was out of town so it would have been tough to jump on but hey we're, we're back for for 2023 and i think the team's you know going in the right direction right now steaming mm-hmm. full steam ahead towards the playoffs i know and the excitement about all of that too is that lightning fans i think we just like the drama at this point because there was so much panic in the beginning of the season um, for many reasons, when they were relying on basically special teams to put up most of their points and their goals. And then the flips, the switch flipped, right? Then they became so solid on even strength and it was hard to get everything so fluid and going efficiently, but they always find a way to get there. And I think that this is not a team that you should hit the panic button with. I know a lot of fans have PTSD after that sweep a couple of years ago, but I think we're far removed from that situation, which takes me to the biggest topic right now. Um, shooter, 12 home wins this team is out right now and it's one of the top win streaks on home ice uh in franchise history for sure and in the nhl but you guys also made history not being cursed anymore you show up to the boston bruins game which i was terrified for you guys to do uh big fans of y'all's but i thought you guys should have stayed home i have to apologize formally now on on my own show and say you know welcome back to emily arena and the curse is broken. The Bolts know how to win with you present. 
Yeah. So we've had since 2020, really, when we started, when we've all been in attendance, the team has never won. So there's three hosts and, you know, we don't all all have, you know, season tickets. So we're not always all, you know, there. We figured that might be a good way to break it. If we just show up to every game, they're going to win. But for some reason, the strange, like odd nights where we're all in the building, it doesn't matter if we're sitting together, if we're sitting separately, the lightning always lose until it was Tuesday night. So it was when the wild were in town, which was an awesome game. Oh, not the boss. Go to. Yeah. yeah. With, with Stamkos, I had to put on the Stamkos jersey, just representing <laughs> him with, you know, his amazing season career, call it what you will. Um, but yeah, the, the ceremony was awesome. And it was really one of the most fun games I, I went to all season. We had some friends in town, uh, met up with sticks and sticks of fire and sat with them. Um, so it was a really great game for the bolts. And I think, you know, the, Breaking the curse was awesome, first of all, because now I feel like <laughs> we're okay to go to more games because people that no one's looking on, at you like, funny. Yeah, don't don't show up here together. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know where it really hurts is the playoffs because we all want to be at those playoff games. So I think we're ready for the second half yeah. of the season here, ready for the playoffs. And you know what what's been most impressive really with the last week of bolt hockey was you know the teams they played. Yeah, this the streaks going on. We're we're up to twelve games, but. You think about the Wild, the last time they played the Wild, they lost. Now it was on the yeah. second half of a back-to-back. -back. I have a theory that some of the guys were sick because you saw Vassy miss the night before in Chicago. Um, and, and the Wild kind of took it to him. The Wild looked good that game. They were fast. They were aggressive. They were hitting. And the Lightning yep. was never really in that game. Uh, and so I was really looking forward to see what would happen in this game when they come came back and, and played at Amelie and you know, it was a close game back and forth, lots of penalties, but the lightning prevailed And who else on his night, number 91 with the game winning <laughs> goal. So it was cool to see Stamkos, um, you know, win that game for the team with the game winner, the festivities. And that was a great kickoff to the week, but wait, it only gets wait, harder wait. after that because you get Boston <laughs> coming into town. And yep. Boston was on like a six or seven, you know, road winning streak. Um, and we broke them. We we actually broke them. They have not won since. So you do believe the Bolts broke the Bruins. You're on, you're fully on track with that. We'll see if that holds up in February. <laughs> I think the Bruins are a really <laughs> good team. But I did put out there on Twitter uh, a poll, actually. Uh, you know, how, how do Bolts fans feel about a seven game series if it started next week between the Bruins and and the lightning and the lightning faithful came out strong. I think it was like 80, 20. Uh, and we're talking about a Bruins team. That's like heading towards, you know, historic numbers, you know, possibly beating our lightnings record that we have tied with the, the brew or the, tied mm -hmm. with the red wings from that awful season. You mentioned earlier, the playoff performance that was not there. Um, it was not there. <laughs> so, so beating Boston to me was, was super impressive this week. And then they just carried it over to, the the LA Kings came to town and that was the Gasparilla game, which is always an awesome game when it when they have, you know, Gasparilla during the day and then everyone kind of somehow well not everyone rolls but, into the arena. Yeah, literally <laughs> rolls into the arena. Um and then that game, you know, the, the bolts just kind of took the lead and, and took off from there. So I, I feel like the team's like right where they want to be going into um the second half of the season. Like it doesn't matter what you do in the first half of the season, Bruins fans. Uh, you know, it, it, as long as you're staying up above 500, you're going to be in the playoff picture. It's really like how the team's doing 
from this point into the playoffs. You want to be hot in yeah. April, really. So I think we're looking good right now. And be able Look to who showed up there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone listening to Pucks and Bolts, now Stash has entered the chat. I always love saying that. Um, so now we've got both Shooter and Stash. I'm so excited. Stash, you could probably, well, obviously chime in here so that everyone can hear that you've officially joined us. And um, okay. when I hopped on to fill in for Shooter or just hang out with you guys a couple weeks ago, the mm-hmm. Bolts were getting ready to head to that road trip, opening versus Chicago, taking on Minnesota, closing out versus versus Winnipeg. We talked about the odds, win or lose, of what they were going to do. I thought Stammer was going to collect 500 versus Chicago because, you know, they couldn't defend for their life, and that turned out to be different. But if there was one game I thought they were going to lose on the road, it was versus Minnesota, and they end up falling to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts with that? Because we were just talking about Minnesota. I forgot – well, not forgot. I miss – read that it wasn't the Boston Bruins game that you guys broke the curse. It was versus the Minnesota wild. My concern yeah. with the wild was their speed, their physicality. I think they're a bit underrated when it comes to what they can do. Minnesota doesn't typically always choke before playoffs. They were always in the conversation until trying to get some pieces going over the last couple of years. So what's your thought about the, the lightning's streak right now? And that last conversation we had on that road trip. Yeah. I mean, I think you're dead on. So we're talking about the back-to-backs and how that's just it was just a rough road trip for them, even with starting with Chicago, kind of an easy start to it. I mean, if you remember that game, it was almost a comedy of errors with the with the lightning there in Minnesota. It wasn't necessarily that they played terrible. They just had some really bad bounces, uh, some goals given up that normally probably wouldn't go in. Um mm-hmm. and they weren't getting bounces. So I mean, I, I come away from that game thinking they didn't play terribly. They probably should have got a point, but they didn't finish out that the third period really the way they could have. And they're just cursed up there. Like they as 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 we talked about the the we the thunder curse uh of all of us for the show being in the building and not winning. It was the same, it's the same thing up there. They just there's something about it. They can't win. Um and then, you know, following up that on that road trip, it wasn't the way we wanted to see it, it end, really. But when they got back here. Something we talked about when you're on the show, Casey, was the depth scoring. And we've kind of mm-hmm. talked about that in the weeks uh, after that, really the last few weeks on our show. And what we've seen since they've come home on this 12-game you know, winning streak at, the home, at, at home is that those players have stepped up. You know, yeah. against Boston, it was our highlight guys. And I think you need to see that against the best team. Our best guys need to be their best. But in those other two games, especially against Minnesota, we saw the depth guys, Perry and uh, yep. and those guys were scoring and i think that that's what we need is because that minnesota team is a perfect example of a team that gives the lightning trouble they they pressure they're fast they don't let the lightning play in space that's where the lightning kill you is anytime they get a chance to move the puck around get themselves some space and use their skill that's when you know that's when they cash in so teams like the wild they play physical they play up on them they don't give them a lot of space and it could be frustrating and the lightning get frustrated that's when they start beating themselves we talked we heard uh, headman talk about that at the end of the homestand not beating themselves especially after that bruins game that's when they play their best hockey and and i think i think that you know playing that minnesota team right before the bruins really was mm-hmm. a, 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 an example of good scheduling for the lightning versus what it was when we played them on the road trip and it was kind of bad scheduling Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I want both of y'all's opinions because we did talk about that. You know, these other guys getting involved, those bottom six guys making more 
um, of an effort and having more of a presence on the ice because when they lock out those top two lines, regardless of the Cooper shuffle, is when they get out of their structure and they get stagnant. Ross Colton's finally starting to come to life. And I think I said it when I was on the show with you guys, what's hard about Ross Colton is he's got a great shot. He's got a heavy shot, but he always kind of has to wait for that sweet spot. He has to have the perfect moment, the perfect opportunity. And hockey doesn't always present that, especially depending on your opponents and especially in playoffs. Um, But he's starting to come to life. Corey Perry, you know, his nickname's typically Scory Perry, but we haven't been able to say that as consistently this season. And now I feel like that's somewhat coming back. And then another thing we talked about, Victor Hedman. I chatted with Brian Bradley a couple months ago and he was like, Victor Hedman's not playing like Victor Hedman. We need to see more out of him. He even called on Vassie to step up a little bit more. So thoughts on where those bottom six guys you know how much better they're getting involved how much better that they look uh, the newest third line i'd say consistently over the past four games has been uh nick paul out on the left wing ross colton at center and pat maroon on the right wing what are you guys thinking about this third line I, I and think... i'll say this pat maroon is tends to be the guy no matter what line he's on when a game is getting away from the lightning he's that ice tilter I feel like he's always a guy that kind of helps get them back in something, set a tone, and then it depends on how everyone responds to that. But he did it in Boston during that whole BS with the Jack Edwards guy, and he's done it a couple of times on the road, and I feel like that's starting to happen more consistently now playing with Paul and Colton. Yeah, Pat Maroon, he he's still got it. He's still got it. Like <laughs> He might be slowing down, but he's still a good player. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think what it comes down to, you mentioned the, the Cooper blender, you know, call it whatever you want, but – Cooper Cooper likes to change his lines. Like there's, I don't know if there's any other coach that changes the lines as much as Cooper. And what's Mm -hmm. funny is that first line, you know, hasn't really changed much since, since Hagel kind of stuck there. So it's kind of the, the bottom three lines that have been changed. And I feel like it's been going on all season. And I think Cooper might just stop the blender. Now I think he might be okay with what he's getting out of the third and fourth line. Now, obviously consistency is big and you've got to come back after this, you know, all-star break and, and continue to, to play well. And you know Mm -hmm. what, if, if they don't, they're blended it up again but yeah pat maroon's not a fourth line guy on this team he's a third line no. guy with, with paul and colton and those guys seem to have something going on um mm-hmm. and then even that fourth line's been stepping it up with perry uh scoring some goals this week and then you've also got belly getting on the score sheet so i, I think mm-hmm. he's got to be really happy with you know how the bottom four are shaking out or the bottom two lines are shaking out bottom six and then the the top two lines you know they're just going to produce and they're going to have to produce when they need to produce and and then at the end of the day that's what it's going to come down to when they you know make the playoffs uh it's got to be the superstars that show up and it's got to be Vassy that shows up and I think this team's kind of battles itself a lot at the beginning of the season because mm-hmm. they're a team that's about winning the Stanley Cup. So the first 80 games, they just need to make sure they're in. They don't want anything to do with that President's Trophy, I bet. I'm sure they want to win as many games as they can, but <laughs> they just want to get to the show. And right. then what you saw last season, you know, they put on a show. I wasn't too confident in them going into the playoffs last season because they were kind of, you know, wishy-washy, weren't playing their best hockey, but they we, we don't like to say flip a switch on our show. We we like to say turn up the dial. 
um, and, and showed up that. in the playoffs and, and fell just short. And maybe a lot of people say just a Braden point short. So I, I like, like I said, I think they're <laughs> in a really good spot right now. Um, and I think, you know, we might've found those lines. I love that you said that actually, because if it, if it does stay primarily consistent, you know, I will never count Cooper out to make a few little adjustments or he might switch it up versus different teams just for fun. I'm, I'm highly convinced that he does that sometimes they're getting into a rhythm. They've got, you know, this excitement of the 12 consecutive wins. They've also got the excitement of beating, you know, the Bruins and beating good teams right now. What do you think that changes or says heading towards the trade deadline coming up uh we had adam denker on a couple weeks ago he made a an interesting take on getting patrick kane um maybe even eric carlinson then you've also got you know we've got some key guys out there that are on the market but the bolts are always against a tight cap space is there a player that you guys have in mind that you think yeah hell yeah grab this guy he'd be a great fit or do you want these guys to just continue to have time to gel and maybe you get a middle of the pack guy that can get the job done if they brought him in? Uh, I mean, I think the main thing you'd be looking at here for this team is, is like we were talking about maybe depth in like third or fourth line, but you've seen those guys starting to kind of gel and on the blue and line. And Balsers is supposed to yeah, be back and, around shortly. And Balsers just went through the waiver wire. So you know he's down. I got a little bug. It's annoying me. Anyways, he's uh, he's <laughs> I thought like, you were glitching first. No, I know, yeah, no. That's like one little bug that came in when I had to go. Up. Anyways, um, no. So like, but he just cleared waiver wires, and then Perbix has come back from his injury. So the blue line, it seems, is kind of getting more gel there. As much as I'm not the biggest fan of Ian Cole, it seems like this. Man, or the coaching staff is, and I mean, I I just see. I mean, I think he probably has under a bigger microscope right now because McDonough's gone, and he has to come in and fill a little bit more minutes than he probably is used to. So, like when he got undressed by you know McJesus the other in the other game, <laughs> that same move he just got beat by that same move um, the other night. Luckily, it wasn't McDavid, so he was able to keep the keep the play you know contained mm-hmm. but penalties but you know at the same time i think he's like two and a half three million dollars so where do you really upgrade the lightning have maybe seven hundred thousand dollars right now in cap space available to them so like jbb says money in money out how do you get better by sending money out on this team right now mm-hmm. unless it's maybe an amestikoff who again two and a half million dollars but I, I look at him as a guy that we've talked about on our show uh, of maybe not quite clicking yet. But at the same time, he seems to kind of the last couple of games since we talked about it looked a little bit better, looked a little bit better there on that fourth line with Perry and Belmar. And then it, it, where do you go? Like if we go to the playoffs and you need depth, he could end up playing top six minutes or and have the dynamic we saw in the preseason or early in the season. He can get up there and have chemistry if you need, oh, you know, heaven forbid somebody goes down in, in, in that top six. And it just, is he as good? Or is there somebody else out there that would be better than him if that situation happened? Those are the things JBB has to look at. And I just don't look at the market and see a guy that really, 
And then it has to be long-term as well, because it's not like this team is like, okay, it's just for this season. Any any move that JBB is doing, it's not just for this year. He's still looking for the next three or four years. He thinks this window is still wide open for several years to come. You know, like, you know, you listen to him and Mr. Vinick talk, they talk about being competitive every year, not ever having a window closed, but always trying to be, have layers of talent on this team and ages by, by that, you know, ages of layers of ages of talent. And they've done a good job of that. So I think that's what they look at. No matter what the money comes in or whoever, whoever comes in, it's got like be a Hegel or a Paul where, okay, yeah, you lost a lot. Yeah. You lost McDonough, but now you have these two guys that are young. You already locked up Paul Hegel is going to look to still probably be a pretty favorable contract, even though he's tearing it up right now. It's, Mm-hmm. I think he's he's been tearing it up because he's playing with the best guys, you know, maybe on the planet right now, the two best, you know, arguably. So, you know, those, those, like, that's what it comes down to for me at the trade deadline. JBB is a magician. He may see a guy out there or have something on another GM that's like, hey, you know, remember that time when we were at the conference <laughs> that one year? You owe me for this. Let's get a deal done here where you eat some money for us. But you know, other than that, uh, you know, it's it, it, this above all seasons looks like a year that he might kind of just stand pat and see what he has between on the roster and available in Syracuse and the, the tinkering that they can do. Yeah, I, and I kind of agree with that, but it goes against everything he's ever done because ever <laughs> since he's been on this, you know, been in charge here, um, he's made those trades and they've been impactful. And, yes. you know, you asked for like some names. I can't tell you anyone's names because I didn't know who Nick Paul was last year. I didn't know yeah. who Brendan Hagel was. I didn't know who Barkley Goodrow was a couple years ago. I didn't know who Blake yeah. Coleman was. He yeah. finds these diamonds, diamonds. in the rough and yeah. somehow, you know, just gets rid of some draft picks. Who needs them? Um, and gets rid of some prospects. But I think this year, more than ever, he's really got to kind of pull a rabbit out of his hat because he's got to find someone that really wants Vladdy Nemestikov and that, mm-hmm. you know, three million. Um, and then Cal Foote's kind of the other name that's been out there. And Cal Foote's not making a ton of money because he's still on his first contract. So you got to throw yeah. in some some draft picks, which we're already short on. Um, and you got to throw in some guys from Syracuse or some prospects. But I mean, I don't have a doubt that he'll do it and, and find at least somebody that will contribute to this team. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the bottom six two weeks ago about being one of the biggest needs. All of a sudden this week, we're praising the bottom six. <laughs> so, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You got a month to go. And this team's been really, really, and I hate to even bring it up, lucky with injuries. Yeah. Um, but if an Not injury gone. happens, you kind of want it to happen in the next month. If a major injury happens, I hate to say it, you don't want it to ever happen. But if you want it, if it's going to happen, you want it to happen the next yeah. month because yeah. then they can make that move. Thanks right. to the NHL's silly rules with long-term IR. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't we love those rules though? Because it helps finesse the capital so much. But oh. um, interesting, Stash, when you were talking, the first thing that came to mind for me is the fact that, you know, they – this team does really well with having different guys step up to the plate during playoffs. So for me, when it comes to JBB and the magic that he makes, it's really hard to think of who you would maneuver around because what if that's Nemestikov's time to shine? He knows this team. He's been so lethal on some of the teams that he's been with. I hated seeing him on the stars roster. Mm -hmm. He was a pain. Mm -hmm. He was an absolute pain. And he's been, he's had the ability to do that on the many rosters that he's been on. So for him, I think it's time 
Um, I also never really pictured him as a third or fourth line guy. So maybe that's an adjustment as well. But again, playoffs and, and, and there on out could be his time to really shine and, and step into the full potential that he'll bring to this roster. So a lot of tough decisions. As you guys said, JBB is a magician, magician a magician and finds a way to get it done. Um, I honestly have no names in my mind either because like you said shooter he just also plucks these guys out of nowhere and then you just grow to love them so much because they turn into that guy I mean Brandon Hagel didn't surprise anybody until this season um finds out he was dealing with a foot injury last year and stuff so he didn't really step into his own until he started working with those two guys on the top line but I don't think it's just the top line either I know that's probably a hot take for some people I think it's the fact that he's healthy he's healed and he absorbs a, like the knowledge around him tremendously so um, to see what they do with players like that only if they really feel like they need the depth but this brings me to my biggest one Hayden Fleury's done all right he's done some cool mm. things he's had his moments it's cute mm. um, Cal Foot, I think he's run out of time to prove himself at least in Tampa and with this team um, so as you guys mentioned if there was a move to be made Cal Foot's not going to really bring in much money but Calfa and somebody else, you know, do you guys still see any, I don't want to say hope because he's not a bad player. He's, he's also had great moments, just very more on the inconsistent side for, for him for as long as he's been with the team. Now, um, do you guys like Calfoot back there in the defense, or do you think that he's a player that can move on and, and potentially grow his career elsewhere? I, I like Calfoot a lot. I, I like yeah. how physical he is. I think the only downside to his game is his skating. Which the Lightning do yeah. a really good job with with improving players skating, and and I think it's still early for Cal Foot. So uh, I I'll be a little upset when he gets traded because I do think he'll have a long NHL career. Uh, mm -hmm. But at this point, like he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. That are they going to be able to pay him anyway? And that's why his name keeps coming up. Is he's kind of you know the guy that's they probably can't bring that back next season. Yeah. Yep. They pay, they basically, as far as, I mean, if you sit here and really look at the salary cap, I feel like they kind of gave Nick Perbix that Cal foot money they were going to maybe give next year Ooh. with him being an RFA, you know, and I think Perbix is the guy that really came in and took that role. They were expecting Cal foot to fill right now. And I think that I'm with shooter. The guy is only 24. He still has a lot of games to get to that 600 game threshold we talk a lot about with defensemen in this league and i do think that with him being an rfa he might be a guy that you could consider you know, conceivably package maybe the other team eats some salary this year as long as they can make sure there's a deal done to sign calfoot you know maybe to that three-year bridge deal similar to what they the lightning signed perfect to uh this year um so I that would I we've looked we've talked about that. I think that's probably the most likely move if there's any kind of value. Um, especially other than the Mestikoff, you know, he's at that two and a half million dollars and he's unrestricted next year, so he's basically a rental. So it's it's those two guys I think you're looking at that have the space and maybe the ability to have return, but I just don't know if you're getting anybody as good as Nemestikov at that price and if he's gonna be a, th a third or fourth liner, I think you're downgrading at that point 
and it, it's just for the sake of making a move basically you know so right so yeah but yeah I, I we do thought we do kind of think that cal foot's going to be a guy that they move some here at the trade deadline or so because i don't think they have the ability to pay him really mm-hmm. more and i don't think they really want to they it you know i mean hayden flurry is you know, signed next year still for less. And he's right. shown he's shown flashes that he can play at this team whenever. And I don't think that they're done with Myers either, even though he's uh, spent most of the season in Syracuse. Um, right. They've told him what to work on. And he's been playing a lot better in Syracuse right now. So, and he's been playing on the top defensive pair down there. So those are things you got to think of. Those two guys might just show, hey, they're not necessarily better. They're just better fit for the system. And so yeah. maybe that's that's where Cal Foots just can't kind of get his momentum in the system. We've seen it with multiple guys in this uh, franchise before that uh, have talent, can't find their way in, and go do great things elsewhere. Oh, yeah. It's Carter just be another, like, yeah. 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 Everyone so. has their moment, and it's all about the right system. But totally agree mm-hmm. with that. Um, and again, nothing against Cal Foot. I just think the timeline in, in which they try to develop and then working against the cap space and whatever they may have to do with the team um, mm-hmm. is where his time has just been a little bit confined. But uh, let's talk about the surprise that is Nick Herbix. The Knicks yeah. are going off right now, first of all. You got Nick Paul crushing in in the faceoff circle, and then some, and then you got Nick Perbix, who has honestly been the ultimate surprise. He comes off of a three point game from Saturday versus the Kings that I thought were going to put up a bigger fight. Uh, with Kevin Fiala, who was hat trick city a couple weeks ago. Then you got Adrian Kempe, who's just kind of like silent death sometimes. Um, and it was nice to see the Bolts be in complete control when it comes to this game. But it was also great to see Nick Perbix walk away with three points. Um, how surprising has this guy's performance been for you guys? And obviously the biggest thing that revolves around Nick Perbix's name is just his hockey IQ, how smart he is, how composed he is, and um, how much more he can just develop from the foundation that he's brought to the table. Yeah, he's he's been like the biggest surprise this season, hands down, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and here's a really good example of that. As you know, Casey, because you filled in for me, we do kind of like a weekly challenge on the show. One of the topics for the last week was in that Kings game, who's going to get the most points, but only for defensemen. And we have four people that answer. You guys did this? Nobody said Perbix. Um, You know, we went with Sergey, we went with Hetty and the usual suspects, but nobody said Perbix. And I think to some extent, we're still sleeping on the guy. Um, But I I watch him cautiously, too, because he's only played what, like 40, not even 40 NHL games. Mm -hmm. You know, he still turns over the puck like all defensemen do. Um, but the guy has a knack for having a little bit of offense to his game and getting pucks through. And, you know, yes. for a guy who's only played that many games in the NHL, he's been really, really solid. So, you know, another another diamond in the rough for, for JBB and got, got himself a, a nice little bridge contract, too, to see if he can spin it into something bigger. I think they could. Do you yeah. guys think he could spin into something bigger with what he's putting up right now? Because... I think what's so fascinating about hockey, and I was talking a little bit with Greg Wolf about this the other day, is the fact that there's so many journeys or so many paths in hockey. You could do juniors. You could never make it to juniors. You could never play in an Olympics in your life. You can take the college route, which it's not frowned upon, but it's definitely a different structure depending on where you go to college and how that team pans out. So for Perbix, you know, he didn't start lifting weights until his senior year in high school. He's never a big weight guy. Um, 
did the college route, uh, something similar to Alex Kalorn chooses Harvard because his neighbors went to Harvard, but they didn't have a great hockey uh, team at all for him to really show off with. He was great in high school and it came easy to him. And then college was college. And then he really had to develop when it came to bumping up to the NHL and starting off in the AHL. So do you see this being a great foundation for Nick Perbix to, to become much more, even though he doesn't have this, you know, crazy resume behind him he did do ju some junior stuff but he doesn't mm -hmm. have the most extensive like standout resume behind that yeah i think bringing up alex colon is a perfect parallel with him you know having gone the college route and knowing that you talk about the hockey iq i mean did they not, didn't necessarily play for the greatest programs but it still is a little bit different level of competition than going through juniors or going to the ahl and i think that that's that's what serves them they also kind of matured a little bit more i think as men in a more natural way going through the college in that process and kind of getting shipped out to juniors and then you're kind of out there on your own and hopefully you find a mentor or whatever you know i think it's a more consistent program you you play more you, you know play more games in college so i mean you look at it 38 games so far uh for perbix this year with the lightning which is impressive. So he's only missed 10 games. Um, mm -hmm. So, and he even had that little bit of an injury. So they haven't sent him down for that many games. He hasn't been scratched up for that many games. He had a, a little injury thing, but he's been playing and he's been playing meaningful minutes. He's been playing a lot of minutes and he's been playing with, with uh, um, Sergachev, who I think yeah. needs it. Honestly, I, I, I think Sergachev needs a guy that, can play defensively and play responsibly the way Perfect does, but then also can contribute offensively. So it takes a little bit of pressure off of Sergeyev. He doesn't think he has to be out there making all the plays all the time. So yeah, I don't think that there's any um, in, any ceiling right now that we can expect to see from Perfect. So I think all he can only get better. He can only get yeah. better from here. I would definitely agree with that. Well. Speaking of better, speaking of guys that have been diamonds in the rough and all of this good stuff, it only brings us to the most important conversation. It's NHL All-Star Week. Nikita Kucherov's in, Bassey's in, and I think we all agree on the biggest snub on the count of three. <laughs> One, two, three, pointer. Miguel Servachev, no. Well, I, was like, I think Sergey should be an All-Star, but you were right. It's point deserves to be an All-Star this year. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I made a face when you said Sergeyev, but the confusion that actually struck me. Um, but yes, honestly, I was look. I was so proud of how Sergey stepped up when Hedman got his injury on the West Coast tour, and then came back and was playing on that top line. And he, I mean, not only was he killing it, but he he plays so well, and he's so hard on himself. The post game pressers, or even after practice, he's a great brain to pick. Um, but yeah, Braden Point. He, I mean, he's had almost an equal amount of highlight reels as Tage Thompson and some of these other top scorers in the league right now. And yet the conversation just died so quickly whenever Lightning fans and, and even hockey fans in general were like, well, what's up with Braden Point? I, do, I still don't know how he didn't get in. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it comes down to they needed another goalie to, to represent our division or else they would have only had that. one. But then right. when they brought in, um, which is, what's his name? Alexander Barkov. That's true. Yeah. For the yeah, like, Austin Matthews. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like it one bit. And you know, it might have been something where they reached out and said, saw, asked who was available because, you know, a lot of these guys go on vacation. A lot of the bolts yeah. are already in the Bahamas if you follow them. Uh, <laughs> so they're they're taking their Brandon break. Brandon Hagel flying a plane is terrifying. Yeah. I don't know why, but it <laughs> no, is terrifying. Yeah. No, the question we had last night was, you know, how how did he charter that plane? Because you know, he was the only <laughs> guy on that plane without a nice. Uh, Searching his salary again, like all right. He must have like carried everyone's bags on the plane or something (laughs) to to his ride. But no, I I mean I was really hoping on Twitter that we'd get some people voting for Pointer. And I think it comes down to with that last vote, it's just silly anyway, because you've got everyone voting. You got people in Canada probably voting every day, and Vassy's the biggest name um that that's going to be out there so and i do think that you know the whole goalie situation had something to do with it uh and pointers never made an all-star game that i remember so i'm pushing hard for him to make it next year and and to go back to your comment with you know his his highlight real goals like he's he's pouring them on this season we've seen him in the past but not as much this season and you know it always used to drive me crazy and he still does this he would gain speed got one defender to beat and then curls back around yes (laughs) then you know great in point can blow past that defender like he's done a couple times this season with those highlight real goals so i think he's Mm -hmm. gaining confidence in himself to be able to make that plays and i also have this theory that him and and cooch and and some of the other superstars on our team and also in in the league i feel like they make that curve around to preserve their bodies because when you drive hard at the net, you're going down and we've seen pointer. We've seen cooch get those injuries. So I think, you know, he's, he's feeling confidence in himself and also physically as well. And I hope he keeps doing it. Like he can't, can't always, you know, back down because you're worried about getting, getting another injury, but I also don't want him to get injured either. So yeah. Yeah. And the the thing for point really isn't even driving the net. It's driving the play deep in the zone. It's a matter of where he stops. If he stops at the top of the faceoff circle, their offense isn't nearly as productive as when he gets down to the, to the dot or lower. And when he pushes that defense, it's like that goal against Boston, you know, he tried to make the pass to Stamkos, but he had already come in so hard not necessarily towards the net, but into that that slot area. The defensive player backs into the goalie. Hedman's there for the loose change, and he gets basically the yawning cage because, mm-hmm. you know, Omar gets run into. But that's all in point speed pushing the play up the ice. Yeah. The thing about it is you really look at him on a team of superstars because really with the way Hagel is playing this year, you know, you take your pick. But Kucherov, insane 72 points. Uh Point is third with 54 points, but he's at almost 20% shooting percentage. Like, that's insane. 146 shots on goal, and he's at a 20% shooting percentage. You know, Cooch is 11%, and Stamkos is 14.5. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, to me, that's what you look at in this guy. Two, oh, and also one penalty this year. And it was just the, the other game, just like, Three or four games ago, he got his first penalty of the season. So yeah. not only that, he's responsible and keeps himself out of the penalty box. Like mm-hmm. that's he's so those disciplined. Are the that, yeah. I mean, yeah. those are the and things. I think you a lot of at. that discipline has played into maybe those moments of him not wanting to press the, press so hard or being a little reserved for his body. I mean, he's had to overcome 
a decent amount of injuries that have kept him out of, of seasons, unfortunately. So the biggest thing for, for Braden Point is not only is this probably one of the healthiest seasons that he's having, he probably is feeling himself physically being in tip-top shape, but you said the key word there, it's confidence. His confidence levels change because we're talking about a guy that would score a goal, skate to the board, let us let us teammates can celebrate him and then take off we've seen a lot more emotion out of him once he scores these goals we're seeing a lot more response I mean him even engaging the crowd after he scores it's like he feels the different gear that's been hit with with his playing and I think it's just going to translate that much more I still think he's not talked about enough you both made uh, killer cases on that point but they need to talk about him a lot more. NHL All-Star Week is not the determining factor of players being yeah. as amazing as they are. Because as you said, with voting and stuff, it can, it can change the game. But I was so looking forward to thinking that he was going to be an NHL All-Star Weekend. And I thought he was going to get voted in and then it didn't happen. So I've still been licking my wounds a bit much on, on that one. Um, but kind of off the bolts for a second. Speaking of another skilled player, a big trade took place with Bo Horvat heading to the Islanders. And as we know, the Islanders have been a, a pretty tough matchup for the Bolts when it comes to Eastern Conference and stuff. And, um, you know, their goaltending situation has stepped up. They've had a lot of line issues. They haven't been able to find much consistency. Their scores aren't scoring. Um, but Horvat's coming in with 31 goals, 21 assists, 54 points, sitting at a plus three. Could he be that that? complete change that can make the Islanders scary again this season and coming in at the right time. I always thought that the Islanders were one like offensive superstar away from, from being, you know, that good Stanley cup, yes. final, you know, Stanley cup winning team. And they got them. They got them this week. So scary. I mean, I haven't followed the Islanders enough this season. I know they they were really down and out last season. I think they're kind of right there in the mix this season. And that division's going to be wide open for the taking. So they they put themselves in a spot to win the division by making that trade. And, you know, I don't think they gave up really much for it. They gave up um, a, a current player, a prospect, and a, and a first-round pick. And they got a really good player in return and a player that I think is going to fit their team really well yeah. well i mean if you look at the wild card right now and the way it sits in the eastern uh division pretty much that's what's up for grabs the lightning the rangers were about you know oh, four to ten point or six to ten points ahead right now a little bit more than halfway through the season but that wild card 58 57 56 55 points and that's the Islanders sitting at 55 points, Washington with 58. Pittsburgh, they haven't shown me anything that they can play consistent enough hockey right now to hold off they have no defense. any team, and their defense isn't great. Uh, mm -hmm. Washington is right now basically riding the Ovechkin train. Again, their goaltending is uh, average. They can't stay healthy. They've been bit by a lot of injuries this season. And Buffalo, uh, we know Buffalo. It's been pretty much the same old song and dance with them the last few seasons start out super hot they had a like a historic start to the season along with buffalo or boston and then uh they haven't played consistent hockey since so absolutely i i think this right here it makes the islanders probably that number one playoff a wild card team and then maybe even catching uh the rangers uh for the you know third there in the metro but 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, Jersey uh, and, and Carolina, I think they're a little far out there, but they could easily grab that third spot and be playing a wild card team, um, you know, in the, in the you know first or second round. So, and that's a team I don't really want to play in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, I really don't. <laughs> we've we've seen them in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row. Uh, we saw them, you know, and we know what that's like. So, to me. You know, I'd rather see a Boston in there or, you know, I'd rather see a Washington or Pittsburgh in those wild card spots than I would see an Islanders team. But especially if we can catch Toronto, uh, that kind of changes the way things line up. So, yeah, Yeah. it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, that's a huge trade already. And we still have a little bit ways to go before the trade deadline to see what else is going to happen. So, but, yeah, huge move, huge move. And I and I applaud the Islanders for making it happen now and not waiting until the deadline looking and mm-hmm. seeing, hey, we're still within striking distance. Let's not wait another two weeks. If we do this now, you know, we, we might still be able to make a real real push. So mm-hmm. good on them for making this move right now when they did. And going yeah, to get that because... guy who is basically the biggest guy on the, on the market, right? Oh, yeah, big time because – He's going to get that extra time with these with these teammates coming off of NHL All-Star Weekend, getting those extra weeks with them, which is going to be tremendous because they're going to see where the spark really lies. And I feel like he's going to help revive some of the guys on their team that haven't been as dominant in the score column. So that's the other score, the other scary part when it comes to Bo Horvat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing that concerns me with this move and with him going to the Islanders is that it has been talked about. Uh, I think it's 32 thoughts is a podcast. I like to listen to a lot for hockey stuff, but Horvat was pretty pissed that a contract negotiation wasn't made with the Canucks during the summer. And then it bled into the season. He does not like contract conversations during the season. It's his own personal preference. So consider this, you're talking about a guy who was possibly a bit distracted and who usually sits a little higher in the assist column, as well as adding to that goal tally. So now that the distraction is off his back and he's going to get a few more weeks before the deadline to be with the Islanders and feel things out, that can be a scary, scary situation. And I agree with you both. I do not want to see these guys in playoffs. I don't want to see them in any kind of conference finals. This brings me to my last question. The guys returned from NHL All-Star Week. Everyone's feeling good, went on vacation, did all the things. Do they come back and top the maple leaves in the standings? Do they get to that number two spot? That's the that's the million dollar question. With how good <laughs> the Lightning have been playing at home, they want that they want that home ice for the playoffs. So you know they've they've got some things in their favor. Uh, we mentioned earlier uh, you've got the big star out for I think three four weeks with Austin Matthews on the bench so it really gives them a chance to to possibly move up and, and catch them in the standings and i wouldn't be surprised if they do i know toronto's still got mitch marner who's been the big star up there really this season but mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe without the the goal score and matthews they slip a little bit and you know the the wild card i think with toronto's also going to be goaltending if you look at this team head to head first the bolts like that's the big difference mm-hmm. um which you know that we got the trade line looming, so maybe they make a move. I think they're pretty strapped for for cash as well, with you know what the, the options are for the Maple Leafs. But you know, I, I think the Bolts really want to catch them. I think you know their season at home or the, this season at home, they've been so good. We talked about the the streak. They want to get that home ice advantage. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're right on their heels in about a month. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're five points back right now of Toronto in the standings, three games in hand. So 
that's always a good thing. And if you look at the schedule, the Lightning come back after the All-Star break that Monday. It's in Florida, but that's basically a home game. I know some guys are vacationing down there anyways and down in the island. They love so Miami. Yeah, they love it down there. So <laughs> they'll they'll, you know, they'll be feeling good there. Then it's a back-to-back, but it's back here against San Jose, which we've got a really good history against them. And then Avalanche are coming to town. And they've been playing better, but they've still been battling with some injuries. And with the way the Lightning have been playing at home, uh, I see that as a favorable matchup for Lightning. Then it's that road trip, uh, four games out west with Dallas, Colorado, Arizona, and Vegas. And that's going to be really the opportunity. If the Lightning can go on the road and really win those games that they need Mm -hmm. to win, I think that's their opportunity to get some games uh, and some points on Toronto. And we could easily be looking, you know, halfway through the next month that the lightning could be right there with Toronto and coming into March jockeying for that second spot. Fingers crossed. All right. Both of you, who's the player to watch in the second half of the season? Your, your personal player to watch all eyes on him. He's going to take off. It's the turning point. I mean, just based off the last two weeks, Ross Colton, Okay. He's, he's taking it to a different level. I know he's still going to be bottom six, but you know, Cooper, Cooper might stick him up there. I'd love to see like, uh, you know, Ross, let, let's put him up there with, with point and cooch. Look at, give him a couple ships and see what happens. I would. But I also yeah, want to see them do that with Nemestikov too, to see if he'll yeah. score a couple of goals. So it's nice to have options, but uh, I'll go Ross Colton the way he's been playing. He's, he's really stepped it up. All right. Documenting this by the way. <laughs> Yeah, um, for me, I think it's a guy that hasn't necessarily been under the radar, but I think he's just going to continue to get better, and that's Brandon Hagel. Um, he's you know fourth in the team right now with points, but he's kind of a little bit below Cooch, Stamkos, and point. Well, everyone's below Cooch right now, but uh, you know he's he's still kind of right below. But he's he's shooting at almost nineteen percent right now, and it, now that he's kind of gelled with killer and sorelli on that second line it looks like uh they're actually scoring now instead of last year where they were kind of that shutdown line in the playoffs mm-hmm. and hegel's the one leading the way he's still doing amazing things uh no matter who he's playing with it's that top line or on that second line and i think that's going to be the guy that's the real difference maker especially in the top six yeah. can i throw one more out there yes there's a guy <laughs> named victor hedman yeah. First, oh. first he's pretty good half of the season <laughs> i mean i guess not first half of the season first first couple months of the season kind of played you know plus minus even wasn't scoring as many points as he used to the last couple weeks had been has has emerged and if we <laughs> can get him back to con Smythe, heady watch out mm-hmm. watch yep. out i mean yeah game over because that does so make could, some of those defensive questions a lot less yes, questionable. Yes, big time, big time. But I, I think for I think for Hedman too, I think he was still a little banged up from when he got hurt on their West Coast tour earlier in the season. Then obviously with his wife just you know popping out their second kid and stuff, that's also an extra thing that's on your brain. He had to leave that road trip early. They were still waiting for her to give birth, and now you know Hedman's Hedman skating again like nothing's holding him back. So that's going to be something to watch he was one of my top two to watch but my top one's going to be um i think nick paul is making a lot of noise in the beginning of the season i think he's going to ramp it back up and 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 bring that playoff poly energy 
all the way back in. And I just, I'm thinking that third line is going to just continue to build if, if, if Cooper keeps it. But I like what I'm seeing out of Colton, Paul, and Maroon right now. And I think they can even switch some things around and get crafty there. Um, if they wanted to pull Paul back into center, I love Nick Paul at center versus complicated teams. I think he's really smart and very overly communicative, like they need at that center position versus mm-hmm. certain teams. So playoff Polly is going to be my prediction. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on the show and chatting with me. Um, anytime I get a chance to talk hockey, but let alone talk bolts, it's a great night for me as well. And I always love being a part of you guys' show. We can bring you back whenever. Um, but if you guys go check out Be The Thunder podcast. It's awesome. Not only is it exciting and it's so much fun to talk, like the guys said, you can talk for hours on Be The Thunder and they cover all the bases and all the best conversations you can have within hockey. Um, so is it at Be The Thunder podcast? What's the handle yeah. on Twitter? Where can they find you guys? At We The Thunder pod. We The and Thunder, during excuse me. Most games, it's me live tweeting. The guys like to, you know, point that out, that it's me as if I'm like going to say something like horrible <laughs> and we're going to get canceled. It's when they don't <laughs> agree with something. It's like, it wasn't my fingers. Let's, let's not talk about how long his Twitter uh, account was suspended for. That was different. <laughs> that See, was different. There we go. That was different. Reinstated. Thank you, Elon. Finally. Finally. <laughs> but you. yeah, we, we like to do poll. It's called We the Thunder because, you know, we're just fans like like the rest of the Thunder. So, I mean, we do polls, have fun, tweet tweet during games. And yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun to be a Bolts fan right now. So we're just taking full advantage of it. Yes. And you're finally back on Twitter, I saw. So um congratulations to making it back onto the to the chaos we call twitter and that lifestyle but definitely go follow we the thunder sorry guys my brain cells between caffeine and still not being packed to leave tomorrow and everything else is just like erratic right now but we're surviving and we're just excited i I, it's my first nhl all-star week to cover so i'm i'm awesome regardless of the um, minimized enthusiastic voice. But guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Pucks and Bolts. Be sure to follow at Pucks and Bolts on Twitter. Download that Odyssey app, search Pucks and Bolts, hit the auto download button so you can stay up to date on all brand new episodes, including great ones like this when we have We the Thunder guys on. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Pucks and Bolts, and we'll catch you next time with all of the all-star break information. Don't miss a beat. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 